This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jamie Rivers, and our dude Jeff Burton. I almost combined you guys' names for some reason. That's okay. I'm sure at some point in history there was some kind of combined, you know, Did I tell? I know. I don't think I told you this. I'm So, like, a couple weeks ago, I was playing Blue October on the air, all right? So, and a, a lot of times lately, on both the point and the arch, when I talk about uh, live or Blue October, I throw in a Jeff memory. Of course. Just because it's it's there and the it's fresh. The two go hand in hand. And so, I, I made the statement that if there is a heaven and Jeff went there, how quickly he found the porn. And and <laughs> wait and and and, and somebody porn. yeah and somebody got really like mad at me like sent me a nasty message on Instagram about how I shouldn't say that kind of thing about Jeff and how he didn't appreciate what? it. Are you kidding me? No, no I'm then not they, at all. Then they don't know Jeff. So then I I felt bad, or, or they've never seen his collection of porn. Well, dude, I I felt bad. <laughs> so I messaged Julie and oh, I was God. like, Hey, I said this on the air. Should I? Is this offensive? And she was like, oh, my God, Donnie, he would have loved that. He loved you. You could have said almost anything about him, and he wouldn't have cared at all. Quite honestly, Don't let that pr- he would have been pissed had you not said I, it. I would think so, too, yeah, man. No. I would um, think so, too. But that- I understand people, like, you know, like, sticking up for Jeff, I guess. But, like, I would never but be maybe, somebody that would say something bad about Maybe that. make that first message uh, a message of, like, question. Like, hey, I heard you say this. I didn't know Jeff as well as you do. Would he have appreciated that? Yeah. And I mean, the answer is 100% yes. Yeah. Listen, if you want, go back and listen to any Last Minute Blues podcast where Jeff was a part of the show. And the jokes and the innuendos and the all that stuff, like, this is Jeff. Yeah, absolutely so. But you know, man, you never want to do that. I never want to do that when it comes to that guy. Also, another thing I wanted to tell you. just wouldn't. Well, no, 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 I, I wouldn't. So. Another thing I wanted to make sure to tell you today specifically. Why are you pointing at me with angry eyes? Because, oh, no, 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 these aren't angry. Uh, there is a new Seven Dust song that they released yeah, everything. today. It's fantastic. It's amazing. And yeah, the best part is Clint's daughter is in the video, too. Oh. She was a last-minute addition. Apparently, they just thought about it on the spot, and apparently she rocked it. I have not seen the video yeah. yet, but Clint's wife, Tara, posted it on her Facebook and so uh, I'm anxious to see it. Yeah, man. And it's just, it's a real, I mean, not that, that that we haven't become accustomed to them and very good songs, but to me, uh, as like a, as, as a music radio guy, this sounds like not only a really good song, but a really good song that could get played on the radio in a lot of different places. So that's my question to you is I listen to Seven Dust religi- religiously because, well, I have a connection to the band. Mm-hmm. I've known the band forever. Uh, I've known Morgan and Clint since I was 19 years old. And so we go way back. Yeah. And uh, I've always loved their stuff, but I've also always realized how it's not all radio friendly. Mm-hmm. Certainly certain stations, right? But they they have had some songs that I'm like, this should be a lot bigger than mm-hmm. it is. And I know they're, uh, they're getting long in the tooth. Yeah. Uh, but they're still rocking it. So it'd be kind of, it'd be really cool if they had a song that 
just just once broke barriers on several different types of radio station, not just like hard rock. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I I think it's like not Nickelback esque. Right. We right right right. And, However, and I, I think they tolerate that success. A hundred percent. I I think the thing too, man. And and I've talked about this before. Um, and I don't want to piss anybody off, but like you know, man, I I, I fully believe that there are too many seven dusts in the radio world these days, meaning that there are too many tremendous freaking bands that are getting virtually no airplay. Yeah. And I don't, and and man, I don't understand that at all. Why is that? Like, how does that work? Well, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do, honestly, with the fact that, you know, there are three big radio companies that own 500 plus radio stations in the country. Yeah. And so they mimic those playlists in every single market, and it's insane. How much flexibility do you have as somebody who's playing the music on a daily basis? You've got your show every day. How much flexibility do you have to just say, you know what, screw it. I am playing this band, this song, every day I'm on the air for the next three weeks. Yeah, it's just, um, well, first of all, I, um, you know, man, I feel like I've worked really hard to get to the point to earn my boss Tommy's trust in that, and I don't want to say that he would let me do whatever I wanted, but I mean... You know, he I trust can, you. I, he, he trusts me, you know, so, um, so, you know, today I got the new Queens of the Stone Age song and I already played that. And then a little bit later before I get off the air, I'll play that new seven dust. And so, yeah, you um, uh, so it's, you know, man, I appreciate how much flexibility he gives me, but at the same time, you know, man, I just view radio a little bit different. I think than a lot of people do these days, most people probably. And I feel like we could just do a much better job of some things musically than we do and, and have done for a while. But, um, you know, man, I'm, I'm lucky to be working in a place where my boss does listen. And I can't say that in very many other places that they would listen to no. me. Well, they also, you've earned it though, Donnie. But also too, what's crazy and sad to me, man, is how many people in the record industry give me credit for being a music guy. Like how many music guys aren't in radio anymore. And to me, man, that's not a good thing yeah. at all. No, I see what you're saying there. You know what I mean? I mean, you got to have some of us nerds <clears throat> mixing in. You, not all of us. We can't take it over because we try to make it too cool and it wouldn't be that great, <laughs> all right? But but uh, but you got to have some of us yeah. in there, man, because we bring some passion I to agree. the table that other folks don't. So, Well, I've got a mission for you. I want to hear that song every day for at least a week. Okay. All right. Done. Got it. Our guy, Clint, he needs... He needs the promo here a little yeah. bit, right? He, he deserves the accolades, Morgan, and LeJean, and John, and all those guys. Vinny, Vinny's a beauty. Well, do, and they are they are tremendous live band. I've probably seen that band 20 times throughout the course of the years. So I remember the early days, and um, it was wild, to say the least. Okay, this is in their younger days before Clint became sober and which by the way he's been sober for eons now and congrats to him because he, his life has just exploded in a good way since he got himself clean but the early days my god donnie and the energy on stage from these guys and it hasn't dissipated either they still bring the heat yeah and they're not spring chickens you know clint is older than i am morgan is older than i am like they are bringing the heat. And I remember Morgan gave himself whiplash one time, playing the drums, yeah. smacking his head back and forth, and he came back out. He couldn't move, and then he had to go to the chiropractor and whatnot. He, he had whiplash. He gave himself whiplash <laughs> playing the drums. Right, right. But I don't think people really necessarily realize that when you are active on stage, how 
physically demanding that that is for your body. And playing an instrument at 100%. the same time and not screwing it up. And I never even thought about it until after Prince had passed away, but they said that that he was constantly in pain with his hips and with his knees. And that's what led to, you know, the the opioid yep. addiction and things like that. And I never thought about it until you're like, oh my gosh, the guy's running around like a maniac 200 nights a year. Absolutely that's going to take Well, I remember toll. Vinny, the bassist for Seven Dust, they used to have trampolines in the front of the stage that were hidden. And so they could run up and jump and bounce off the trampoline and go like 10, 15 feet backwards in the air and land it, right? Well, you got a few wobbly pops or a few Jack Daniels in you. Landing that with the lights going and the smoke and whatever else is happening, he landed wrong and frigged up his knee. Yeesh. Then the next night, he's got to like he's wrapping the ace bandage like so tight that it's like straight, and so he's still he's still out there grinding through the songs and yeah. grinding through the set. You could not tell as much. Then you not as you didn't couldn't tell as much as you should have right that that he was hurt. But anyways. D- Great I, band, great dudes. I love those guys so much. I also I saw, and this was a long time ago, and then we'll switch to sports or whatever, but I saw the band Suicidal Tendencies. You know oh, that band? Yeah. Of course right. I do. So it was a three-band... Dude, it was a three-band <laughs> bill at the amphitheater. It was still Riverport at the time. It was the first time that I'd been to Riverport. Metallica was the headliner, Danzig, and Suicidal yeah, Tendencies. I was at that show. And uh, Glenn Danzig, I'd met him in Atlanta, and he left me tickets for that show, which uh, when I first met Glenn Danzig... I thought he was going to be a monster. Right. And he's not. He's big. Right. Buff. But not so much tall. Have you seen the video of him getting knocked out backstage? No. Oh, dude. So I guess, and I don't know how many years ago this is, okay? I'm not exactly sure. But they're backstage at an arena, and I guess Danzig gets lippy with this very large person. And this very large person, one punch, puts him out. Like, I don't know what Danzig said to him, but it was the wrong thing because this dude went boom, and he was down. Well, for our listeners who don't know, Glenn Danzig's, what, what, 5'6"? Yes. 5'6". Yes. But he's buff. You know, he's built, but he's 5'6". And that's no no knock against him. No. A couple things. When you hear him sing and you hear the band, you think, oh, my God, this guy's larger than life physically. Um, But he also, he did, I want to speak out of turn here, but Glenn Danzig could at times get... Uh, lippy and aggressive. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there is that. Uh, that's those sort of stories yeah. about him. But, uh, but uh, you know how it goes. I mean, I never saw it. Whenever it's I was with him, I never saw it. He never acted that way around. You know. But so yeah, I got nothing bad to say. So, uh, Mister uh, Mister Rivers, we've got the uh, NHL playoffs in uh, in full full swing. You've got the Chicago Blackhawks getting the number one draft pick in uh, next year's draft. <laughs> I wish you could see Jamie's face I'm right disgusted. now. It's just, it's just sad. I'm disgusted. Yeah, I, I called it. Like, how long ago I say the Blackhawks are going to get the pick? The NHL needs the Chicago Blackhawks to get Connor Bedard. They don't want him to go to Columbus. Yep. And the market in Anaheim, as as large as that market is, it's for the LA Kings. Yep. The Anaheim Ducks just they're not a draw. Even if they sell out, they're still not a draw. Like it's, it's not. Hollywood cool to go to the Ducks game. Mm-hmm. It's Hollywood cool to go to the Kings game. So had the Kings been in that, they would have also had an opportunity because that's a massive market. L.A. Kings, Connor Bedard, Showtime, baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyways, I'm not going to put on my tinfoil hat here for too long, but <laughs> I just thought it was rather ironic that Chicago Blackhawks jumped two spots to claim the number one pick. 
Whatever. Right. (laughs) Well, we have seen, you know, we've got playoff series continuing tonight. Toronto hangs on by their, uh, by the skin of their teeth. They played well last night. They They did. They finally looked like a team that was willing to sacrifice to win. Ryan O'Reilly led the way, too. Early in that game, O'Reilly was blocked. And Giordano, the old goats on the team, laying out, blocking shots, doing all the things. And that becomes contagious. So Florida, I'll tell you what, Florida needs to end it next game. Not give them any more reason for hope. Or not give the the Leafs any more reason to to hope and and to, to keep the series going. Yeah, because if the Leafs win the next game playing the same way, all of a sudden... What happens is that team starts to take over and starts to believe, and the other team starts to go the other way. Mm-hmm. So, Florida's got their hands full now. What, what do you, you know, one of the How things. How about a shout out, by the way, to Joseph Wool? St. Louis. The Dardine Prairie kid, uh, right out near my area. Um, great family. Uh, Shelly Wool, his mother, uh, a great hockey mom. And Joseph played for the Blues AAA. Uh, Michael, his younger brother, I coached Michael. He played with my two boys, AAA hockey. So I've known the family uh, for a really, really long time, and they're just great kids. Joseph Wolt was uh, such a respectful, great young man growing up and great work ethic, and it's all translating. Now you're seeing it right before your very eyes that – this guy is probably going to be the Leafs' number one goalie next year. Man, in my and you opinion. and you go into game number four. Hey, brother, you got to stop this, or we're yeah, going home. And he played great. He played great. So, anyways, shout out to to Joseph Wool and the Wool family. What does this series mean for Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner if if Florida wins and moves on? Because, and I didn't get to watch the game yesterday, uh, but I have watched a couple of games in this series where I didn't hear Marner's name seemingly very often. Well, two of the, the, the core four, as they're calling them up in Toronto, Tavares, Nylander, Marner, and Matthews, had not scored a goal in this series. Wow. Last night, Nylander and Marner scored the two goals. So they're on the board. Um, but there's a lot of pressure. Going back to Toronto is almost the worst-case scenario for them. Because, because they have to deal with the media, media and all of those other things. All the pressure and every time they're on the ice and every time they miss the net, every time they turn the puck over, like I bet I get, I would have rather seen if if you're a Leafs fan, rather seen the next game in Florida. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you think that the way that Ryan O'Reilly has played this year for the Leafs that they're going to try to keep him around? I do. Yeah. I think they're I think I think they're going to try for a big time discount. Mm-hmm. Because they have to. They don't have a lot of salary cap space. I know that they've been thrilled with what he's brought to that organization. Now, will Ryan O'Reilly be willing to take substantially less money? I don't know. Mark Giordano did it. Gio was making, what, three and a half or four in Seattle? Mm-hmm. And he got traded to the Leafs and signed for eight hundred grand this year. Wow. So he's he wanted to play he in wanted Toronto. To be a Leaf. Wanted, wanted to be a Leaf. Yeah. Any chance that Ryan O comes back here? I didn't think so. I don't think so at this point. I just I, I get too I get too attached to these guys. Too. Had he not been traded to the Maple Leafs, I would say differently. Yeah, but he's going to his hometown team, and he has done nothing but rave about how amazing the organization is, mm-hmm. top to bottom, inside out, trainers, facilities, all that. So, so if there is though a place that he will take a massive haircut to stay, it's probably going to be Toronto. Probably Toronto. And what do they do, though? If they get bounced, man, what do they do with the core four? Does that stay intact? I think Nylander gets traded. 
uh, in the offseason. You're married to Tavares in this one, which is fine. Uh, Marner and Matthews, I forget the length of their deal left, but Matthews will just play out his deal and be gone. Wow. Yeah. This is it, man. This year is like it. That's why they went all in. That's why they got O'Reilly. That's why they got Achari. That's why they got McCabe. That's why they added so many things at the deadline. It's because they felt like this is it. Do you think that the GM gets blown out? Yes. Yes. No doubt. No doubt. Man, oh, man. Hey, we will get back to the Last Minute Blues podcast in just a couple of minutes, but I want to talk about our sponsor of the Last Minute Blues podcast, and that is Crestwood Dental Group and Dr. James Maxwell. Uh, I've been a patient of Dr. Maxwell's for, I mean, probably over five years now, maybe even more. When I went to Dr. Maxwell for the first time, I had numerous issues with my teeth. Um... It was embarrassing. It was uncomfortable. I hated it. It was miserable. I've got a great smile, but I couldn't show it off uh, because I was having issues with my teeth. Working with Dr. Maxwell and his staff, man, the smile is back. And on top of that, Dr. Maxwell takes care of my kiddos, my mom, my dad, my brother, Mary. Like, we all go to Dr. Maxwell on the staff at Crestwood Dental because they're unbelievable. They're going to take great care of you and your family just like they do for me and my family. Find out more about Crestwood Dental by going to CrestwoodDental.com or give them a call at 314-820-0909. That's 314-820-0909. It's CrestwoodDental.com. Dr. James Maxwell, a proud sponsor of the Last Minute Blues podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Now back to the Last Minute Blues podcast. All right. What in the hell is Alex Petrangelo doing last night? Why? What happened, Donnie? Dude, what? Like, listen, <laughs> you, I am a Petro guy, yeah. but that did not look good on Petro to me in the slightest. See, I looked at it differently. Well, I'll be darn that you did, Jamie. <laughs> I never would have thought that you would. You, you by some, by some, could be called, and I'm not starting to fight here, a Petro apologist. I'm not a petro-apologist. I'm a petro-realist. All right. Well, maybe that's the case. Talk to me and tell me why that wasn't a dirty play. Well, it was a dirty play. Okay. All right. It there goes that. It was a dirty that. play. There's All no right. doubt about it. Doesn't mean I didn't like it, though. 
You know? All right, very good. Now like, we're clearing it we're up. We're all about honesty here. Right, and, yes, uh, we are. I watched, I watched it happening and unfolding, and I started to laugh because I was like, that is about as old school as it gets. <laughs> sure. When in doubt, find one of the best players and go hurt him. And uh, it was completely out of character for Petro, which is kind of why I liked it because it's almost like, hey, we need something here. This team needs some kind of reaction to all this crap. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I feel like I'm going to slash this guy just because that's the right thing to do. We'll see. Is he going to get suspended? He's probably going to get suspended. I don't think he will. You don't. Dryside will lay down, but he's not injured. Not, he'll be playing next game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a hefty fine. That's, Which... my, that's my thought. Because the NHL really doesn't want to impact the outcome of games by suspending players. Sure. Like Jordan Eberly crushed that guy from the Avalanche, I forget who it was, Cogliano, I think it was, broke his neck and didn't even get a suspension. Oh, and speaking of the abs, finding out yesterday that Landeskog is going to be out all of next year. Yeah. What? It's tough. So he's getting a, a he's getting like a transplant of, of something into his knee? Yeah, they take a little spacer almost. I, I Listen, I'm not a medical guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I just... Try to visualize what I'm saying here. Yeah. They have a an artificial like spacer that goes in underneath the kneecap. And so all of his current tissue, whatever you call it under there, again, I'm not a medical person, is all worn out. And so he's bone on bone, basically. Oh. So they cut that open and they put the spacer in there. And now it's just rehabilitation of trying to get that thing to work again. How old of a guy is he? Is he even 30? Mm, I think he, yeah. I think, I don't know if he's 30 yet. It doesn't. It's not a career killer. Really, it's you can, not. You can still. That is unbelievable to me. Science is unfreaking yeah, I mean, believable. He may look a little different as a player. He may struggle skating wise for a while. Um, he may str- struggle skating wise forever, but he'll still be able to play if he chooses. Oh boy! So that definitely changes the outlook for those abs next year. But they're going to have all that money that they're going to be able to use with him gone for the whole year. Correct. So like they'll that. find a player of equal value. Yeah, Not the, yeah. uh, they'll find a player that resembles him. I can't say equal because Landis Gog brings a lot Boy, to that team. He is such a tremendous player to watch. Yeah, he is. Uh, a couple things here. We'll stick in the playoffs. Uh, the Devils, can, or I'm sorry, Carolina can close out the Devils tonight yeah. with, with, with a win. Um how do you see this series going? And this, to me, from everything that I have heard, it seems like the Devils are in the camp of, we're we're happy to be here. We're playing with house money. Didn't think we would be here yet, but boy, oh boy, reason for fans to be very excited about the future. Well, yeah, that organization was nowhere nowhere in the conversation last year. Missed the playoffs by by a lot. Yeah, they, right. I think it was like they, they had a forty point swing this year. Unreal. So this playing is, in the East, which is tough, on tough. top of that. Yeah, and they were hovering in and around first place the whole year. So, hats off to them. Yeah, the, the coaching staff, the players have done a tremendous job. I'd never thought for a second they were going to beat Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see Carolina as a conference final team. Mm-hmm. Now, who they end up with in that conference final, whether it be Florida or whether it be the Toronto Maple Leafs, time will tell. Carolina is a very competitive team. They are going to, they're going to give whoever they play a headache. They're very fast. They're very aggressive. They're very well coached, and they work extremely hard. All right, so let's say that this goes down to Carolina, Florida. Who are you yeah. picking? I I would pick Florida just because they're on a roll, buddy. They're on a bit of a heater, and they play very physical, a very very physical brand of hockey, 
whereas Carolina can bring some physicality, but they're mostly speed, 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 and very aggressive with their their checking. Mm -hmm. Not physically aggressive, just very aggressive, like they're on the puck all the time. What happens in the West? How do you think that this ends up shaking out? Well, there's a lot of things right now that are going to be impacting the West. One is the Alex Petrangelo situation. Mm-hmm. If he does get suspended, what does that do to Vegas? Vegas' number one goalie's hurt now, out. Do they go to Jonathan Quick? Aiden Hill played last night. Not bad, but still gave up four. Mm-hmm. Do you go and tap Jonathan Quick and say, hey, dude. We need the magic. You got anything left in that tank, bro? Mm-hmm. Because if you do, let's go. Oh, right. It, it, we need it now. And he might. He might say, listen, I feel great. Give me the chance. Right. What about what about Dallas and uh, Seattle? That's such a back and forth series. Like each game, somebody plays terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because you think, wow, here comes Seattle. Then the next game, whoa, here comes Dallas. So that I think that goes to seven. Ultimately, I feel like Dallas wins that series, um, and I think the winner of Edmonton Vegas uh, goes to the cup. Goes to the cup. Yeah, man, I just I cannot handle. Sour face going to the Stanley Cup Finals this year. I I can't. Who? Peter DeBoer. I I can't. I I honestly. Tony, I'm, why I'm, I'm so. A, what is your problem with him? I hate his face. Why? I, and I know that that's a terrible thing because I'm sure there are people that hate my face. Understand it. But there is just something that when I see that sour puss talking about anything, <laughs> he looks friggin' miserable, and I can't friggin' stand him. And then on top of it, I don't like the Dallas Stars. On he's top a, of that, he's a great dude. Though. Fine, fine. I'm sure he is. You and, would like him, and maybe one day we'll make that magic happen. Well, but I'm as of have right to now, make it happen. I'm gonna say, hey, Pete, <laughs> this guy calls you sour face. You need to help him out, <laughs> dude. And I. I can even see his face in my head. Okay, so I've always kind of on the outside been a Philadelphia sports fan, which I know is absolutely asinine because of how their fans are. But I've always kind of Well, you are a Bills fan, too. Yeah, and their fans are crazy as well. Yes. In different ways, but crazy. Yes. What are the... So so the Flyers, they cleaned house, uh, management, they brought in Keith Jones... Mm -hmm who is a broadcaster, and I'm trying to think in almost any sport, Jamie, when bringing a broadcaster into the front office has worked out for that team. I think of the Raiders who brought in uh, Mike Mayock from the NFL Network. That didn't work, you know? I just is this, is this a bad idea? No, I actually like it. Really? Tell me why. Well, who else do you find that's as connected to the entire league? Is somebody who's been broadcasting the NHL for twenty years. Well, that's that's true. Contacts he's, and things. He's yeah, talked to every man, every coach, every general manager, every player. Uh, he's broadcast every team. He knows the players inside and out because you have to do your prep work to find out what's going on. I think Keith Jones will be very good at this job. Uh, he's a former Flyers player, so there's amount of pride that he'll be wearing on his sleeve to make sure that this thing goes right. You have to remember. They have people in place to handle all the really tough stuff, mm-hmm. like the the salary cap and the whatever financial things. And they, they've got people who make good money to handle that stuff. All you need is somebody who knows hockey, mm-hmm. and he does. He knows hockey. He played had a very good career, uh, and then post career he's been involved with the NHL from day one. So you talk about someone who's current on every situation and, and players and coaches and salaries and free agency and all that stuff, broadcasters have to be up to speed on that. I can tell you this. I know more about hockey now than I did when I was a player. Yeah. 
I know more of the intricacies of player development, player movement, financial stuff, salary cap implications. I know more about that now than I did 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I, so I, imagine a guy like Keith Jones who has been doing that nationally for 20 years. Yeah, and has had finger on the pulse yeah. kind of thing. Um, so um, the next, I guess the next thing for the Blues will be the draft. Yeah, they got the draft. They'll be picking 10th overall. Um, you know, that player, Doug Armstrong's on record saying that whoever they pick is not going to become the centerpiece of this retool slash rebuild, but they're going to become an accent piece. Mm-hmm. And so that that's a smart thing to say. You don't put all the pressure on one kid who probably won't make the team next year anyways. Right, right. You know, so we'll, we'll see what direction they go with all that. There's a lot of there's a lot of possibilities, and I kicked around some ideas in my own head of does Army try and package the second pick in the first round and the first pick in the first round to move up in the draft? Like, would two first-round picks look appealing to Columbus? Mm-hmm. Would two first-round picks look appealing to the Anaheim Ducks? Because those are teams that are farther away sure. than the Blues are, and then maybe the Blues move up and get an Adam Fantilli at second. You yeah. sacrifice two first-round picks to get up to the second pick overall. I don't know, but it's something intriguing. Okay, well, so then let me I'm just ask it, and maybe you're going to look at me like I'm an idiot, but would you trade all three of those first-round picks to move up? Mm-hmm. No, no. Even with the two being towards the end of that first round for yeah, the most part? Yeah, because here's the thing is I, I believe you're going to try what you'd like to do is package one of those first-round picks along with maybe a contract you don't desire anymore. Tory Groff. Well, player X. Whomever. Whomever. You don't say it, I say it. Your guy would be Tory Tory Krug. Krug. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you attach a first-round pick and Tory Krug. That's appealing to a team to take on his contract. Maybe. And you work out a deal, and then you can – now you've got some flexibility and some area to move or – so that's the way I look at it. If you're going to maximize your first-round picks, to me, package two together, try to move up and get one of the big dogs – uh, if you can't do that, then pick a really good player at number 10 and then start to get creative with the bottom two. Boy, I, I just need – here's what I need. I need this NHL offseason, which I guess it's not offseason yet because we're still doing plays. Just Blues offseason. I just, I just <laughs> need this to get me through whatever the hell I'm watching with the Cardinals, to get me through to the fall for Blues hockey and Bills football. I just I – just, I need – some strong blues offseason carryover to help me with whatever's going on with the Cardinals. Donnie, let me help you out here, okay? On this day in 2019, Mm -hmm. the Blues lost game one to the San Jose Sharks. Do you remember what happened after that? Well, I mean, in in broad strokes, uh, we ended up winning the series and then going on to win the, uh, the old Stanley Cup. And do you remember how they won that series? Well, I mean, they absolutely... I mean, for, for, from what I remember, I mean, they pummeled San Jose into the ice. Eric Carlson looked like he couldn't skate by the time that that series was over. Seriously, dude. They had like three or four guys that weren't even in the lineup. Had it went to a game seven, I don't know if they would have had enough players to even play the game. Dude, I mean, I remember th- like looking at Eric Carlson going, that guy is not well. I mean, you that could courtesy just- of Sammy Blay, too. Sammy Blay absolutely pulverized him in game two. And he was never the same the rest of the series. The, uh, Joe Pavelski, too, got absolutely pulverized. Like There were guys like it was um, – and that was the hand pass series, too. Right. So you talk about you know the Blues getting way more physical in game two, but then you come back here and you get the hand pass game, and the hand pass game was the turning point of the playoffs for the Blues. Yeah. 
I have it. That's when I knew this team had it. Dude, I have never in my life of watching sports, never seen a team given that lump of crap that they got with that hand pass and not say another god dang word about it and just go about their I business. Know. It was one of the most amazing, amazing things that I have seen. Leadership. A hundred percent. But leadership. Right from the top, Craig Berube, um, as I've been told, because I wasn't in the locker room, just basically said, we're not talking about that. We're moving on. Yeah. We're moving on. Talk about next game. We're, we're not talking about that. And then to a man, each of Craig Berube with it, then Braden Shen, Alex Petrangelo, all those guys just, no, it, it, you know, it is what it is. We got to worry about the next game. We don't control this. We don't control that. And they galvanized that group. And they came out the next game, scored right away. And I knew at that point, like, this is this is different this year. Well, because I remember, too, as that series went on, that goaltender situation for them just looked more and more like a turd. And that's when it came out that Jake Allen was uh, mimicking um, Martin Jones Martin Jones in <clears throat> practice. And, man, the Blues were tearing that dude apart. Well, Jones was awful. Too high glove. I remember doing a deep dive because I was working with Fox Sports Midwest at the time yeah. covering the playoffs. And there's an awesome, awesome woman in hockey. Her name is Megan Chaika. And she uh, owns a company called Statleets. And so I got on the phone with her and did a deep dive on Jones before the series started. And she sent me, I mean, analytics like you wouldn't believe. And at the end of the day, I'm like, high glove. Everything has to go high glove on this guy. And the Blues started going high glove, high glove, high glove. Remember the Vladimir Tarasenko penalty shot comes in high glove, like everything. And Jones couldn't stop it at all, at all. And it, then physically they couldn't keep up. Physically they couldn't hang. It was, uh, and the closer it got to the series being over, the stronger the Blues got. Oh, it, I mean that's that is a hundred percent the truth. Yeah, they it could just, smell a Stanley Cup final. It was it, man. It gives me chills just even talking about it and thinking See, about it. This is what we'll do. We'll start talking about good memories to carry you through. Yeah, yeah. Why? Well, and you know what though? But I mean, the way that I feel about the team now, as is, is very glass half full. I, 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 and I've said this before a lot since the end of the season. I don't think a billion things have to happen before we're knocking on the door again. You know, I if agree. they can get this, to me, if they can get the forwards playing back defense a little more, shore up what the hell's going on in the blue line, we're going to be just fine. Our goaltenders are friggin' awesome. Like, give Jordan Bennington, let, let's see Jordan Bennington when he has a defense in front of him. Oh, baby. That makes me incredibly excited. Yeah. And then everything that we saw from Hofer at the end of the year, we could have one of the best one-two punches in the league. 100%. So it's just it's just shoring it up. And I mean, like, I just I just hope that some of the guys that were having issues with playing both ways during the course of the year are really, I don't know, I don't know, I just hope the connection is made. Because a, a lot of it is going to depend on Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas coming back and playing both sides of the ice yeah. every single game. Every year that goes by, you do get a little more mature. Yeah. And you get more mature in the way you prepare for the season, prepare for the games, and the adjustments that you're willing to make. I know that as my career, when my career started, I was very much set on a certain way I wanted to play. It wasn't working out, so I had to make adjustments. And every year I would come back, I've tried to get better 
in the area that would provide me with more ice time. Yeah. And so because I wasn't a star player, I became a chameleon. And it's the best way I can describe it is I became whatever the team needed. So the old adage of, uh, hey, do you know how to do this? Yep. I don't know. I'll figure it out. (laughs) Right. 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 So I, in the off season, when I'd have teams talk to me, be like, "Hey, we really need you to be that, you know, shut down defenseman, third pair, penalty killer, shot blocker." Oh, I love to do that. Yeah. Then I'd go hit the friggin' video and be like, "What am I doing here?" Yeah. Who's talking to our guys over the course of the summer about leadership? Is there anybody about I mean, what? Sorry. About leadership. About the next step. About. No, I think that there's you know there were exit meeting talks, and then there'll be ongoing small discussions throughout the summer. You're not gonna just be overbearing yeah, with yeah. these guys. You right? gotta be you gotta be very careful about that. And you have to you have to anticipate that they're gonna be professionals too. They're at the point where they have to take ownership of their own career at the same time. And as a coaching staff, I think I would check in once a month, just a short check in. Nothing not like asking what are you doing? Send your daily No, just check in. How you doing man? How's, How's your summer going? going? How's yeah. the training? How you feeling? How's the family? You know? Good stuff. You out on the lake, get the boat out, go fishing. What, like, relieve some of the pressure, but at the same time, you're keeping the the uh, the connection open. The line of communication is still going, and I think that's where the assistant coaches come in. Is you know giving that guy a call and joking around a little bit, having some fun, and then you know talking a little bit about hockey. Maybe drop a few things in about hockey. You say, "Hey, look, I I'm going to send you a couple things from from this year to take a look, and I'll call you back in about three weeks." And yeah, we can kind of talk about a little bit, but you don't just send negative clips. Sure, you send. You know, I've talked about this before. You send some positive clips. Uh, maybe send some clips of players that are in a similar role from other teams that are very successful. And you say, hey, look, you know, like, look at what this guy's doing. Yeah. And then maybe a couple of clips where you're like, okay, we need to improve this. And you just get on the phone, talk about it. Not a whole long, drawn-out thing. Just kind of see if the player recognizes, you know, what he's actually watching and if he can tell you about it. I've told you this before. Turn the player into a coach. If you can turn a player into a coach, that's the level of success you want. Because I can tell you right now, me as a hockey coach, if I could go back and play tomorrow, I would be – a way better hockey player. Mm-hmm. If you can coach it, you can do it. And so I always try to turn it back on the players to take some ownership in the coaching side of it. Co- how would you coach yourself? Yeah. And once they figure out how to coach themselves into being a better player or what they need to do, then that really spikes their development. Because now when they're on the ice, they remember coaching it to somebody, and now it's in your brain. Right. And now that, you just know. That's sticking a little bit more. Yeah. The, so the, that's the approach I like is turning players into coaches of themselves. So one, you don't have to always be in their ear. But two, again, if you can coach it, you can play it. Yeah. This is a pretty well-rounded episode of the Last Minute Blues podcast, if I do say so myself. We had some sports on there. We had a bunch of music talk. <laughs> yeah, and I love the music talk because then I feel like I know what I'm talking about, you at sure least do. somewhat. <laughs> you sure do. You know what you're talking about. Give for, yourself some credit. For, for the most part. For our very good buddy, Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers, Donnie Fandango, it's the Last Minute Blues podcast. As always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.